welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine. Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast, with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the recent major cricket news stories in the region in the company of my good friend, the renowned West Indies cricket commentator, Joseph Rez Pereira. Greetings, Reds. How are you? Uh, I'm happy to be alive on this lovely Sunday morning in St. Lucia, and maybe I better take this opportunity to wish you and all to our podcast a, a very productive and a very safe and a very happy 2016. No, very well put, sir. Uh, you and I have been uh, off the airways, as it were, for oh, nearly a couple of months now. Uh, I had to uh, go home and uh, uh, unfortunately my mum died and that puts things in perspective. But uh, yes, 2016, onwards and upwards. Um, lots has happened since you and I last uh, uh, spoke, Reds. Uh, the Chris Gale affair, Australia, uh, the West Indies tour of Australia. But I think let's 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 start with the most immediate things that have happened in the last twenty four or forty eight hours. Um, the uh, announcement of the West Indies cricket board retained fifteen players. Well, when you first see it, David, you will be a little shocked to find that Roach and Samuel's are still there um, after a very poor tour of Sri Lanka and uh, Australia. Uh, out of the blue, uh, <laughs> a Cottrell has come back. Mm-hmm. But when you, when you dig a little further, you then find out that these contracts were recommended to the Players Association by the West Indies Board since October. Yeah. And uh, the wheels seemed to turn very, very slowly. So when the Caribbean public reads this without knowing how long it's been there with the Players Association... Um, they are surprised that Samuels, who got about <laughs> uh, 17 odd runs in Australia, uh, and Roach hardly took a wicket and bowled slower and slower. Mm. And then, you know, an outstanding performance by Carlos Braffitt, who can virtually now play as a batsman. Yeah. Um, you know, two and two just does not add up. No. But, um, you know, it's a, a bad situation where uh, things are that far behind, and it's <laughs> going to bring. Unfortunately, a fair amount of criticism to the selectors and, and to the board. And yeah. some, some mechanism, David, needs to be done um, to speed up this, this, this whole um, matter of contracts because it's not relevant to, to what we're doing now in 2016. And you, you mm-hmm. take a young man like Carlos Braffitt, how does he feel? Yeah. Has he been contacted by the board in the meantime to give him assurance that he's part of the future? Will he now go off and play 2020 somewhere and be lost lost to the West Indies? Oh, let's 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 not let's hope not. Um, he was one, perhaps the only uh, bright spark of the uh, the the tour of Australia. I, I'm very pleased you brought that up, though, uh, Reds, and cleared that up about the uh, retainer contacts. I wasn't aware that this is effectively something a decision that had been made almost four months ago that's that's coming along now. Nonetheless, there's still interesting names on and off there. Uh, clearly, the decisions made about those to be dropped, like Andre Russell and uh, Dwayne Bravo, have been made a while ago. One 
name that I was particularly interested in because uh, I think he's been overlooked and really should be in the, the test side at the moment is Leon Johnson. Well, I think he shouldn't really have gone uh, to um, maybe both uh, Sri Lanka and Australia because himself and, and, and Braffitt had a very testing time against the South African quicks and they didn't do that badly. I mean, they batted for well into the, the first session. Mm. Uh, Johnson has been sidelined. Well, according to the, the latest contracts offer, he's back. Um, but, uh, you know, the the um, situation doesn't cater uh, for who might have done well in, um, in, uh, in, in Australia, for example. Um, so, you know, we, we, we are really um, not uh, on top of things as, as we should. And um, it, the, the, the mechanism has got to be a lot faster. I mean, in, 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 in the private sector world, the wheels is, it turns much faster and the wheels must turn much faster for the West Indies board. The other um, story uh, which broke whilst we were waiting to start this program was the fact that the West Indies captain, Jason Holder, uh, my understanding, although there's no press release from the West Indies board, has been told no. Um, initially, he had signed up um, whilst he was in Australia to go and play the Pakistan 2020. Yeah. Well, it appears that the board has decided that um, uh, he will not get um, permission. Um, I heard that the CEO of the West Indies board, Mr. Michael Muir, was trying to reach him but the, the last position on that is that the West Indies captain has been told no. Um, and uh, the Pakistan board, according I, as far as I know, will have to accept that. And therefore, I think they, they would like the West Indies captain to be played, playing in the four-day competition when it, it restarts after the Nagico 50 over. Mm. I, I, I have to be honest, Reds, I entirely endorse that. Um, the Pakistan... <laughs> Domestic 2020 league surely is not where the West Indies captain should be playing when his own domestic season is going on. Um, I cannot imagine in any other country in the world that uh, a no-objection certificate would not have been exactly the case, um, except in you know, unusual circumstances. Um, there is talk that Josh Butler might go off and play in the IPL because it's better for his... Um, uh, cricket at this time, he's developing perhaps into a limited over specialist. Jason Holder is the Test captain. He needs to be playing domestic four-day cricket, surely. Yes, and the one comment I've had, someone um, came back to me and said, you know, what example is, is the West Indies c- c- captain setting mm. um, to others in the West Indies if he says, OK, I'll turn my back on, on our first-class season? which we all hope that will develop into a higher quality uh, based on coaching, based on pitches, based on uh, players adapting themselves and really working hard as professionals. Uh, how can you not come back and, and, and play for Barbados um, in, in the first-class season? Um, there's a lot of cricket to come. There's the um, CPL, there's the ODIs with South Africa and Australia. There's a possibility of the... Indian tour coming, but uh, no dates, and that has not been really confirmed yet, and it's going to be 
um, you know, maybe right in the middle of Ju- in, in July. Mm. So there is cricket to be played, and that's the point I, I, I was making about about the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. As far as the Indian tour goes, uh, I know that uh, the Mason and Guest show this this last week uh, did disclose some uh, some dates for a four test tour uh, of the Caribbean by by India. Um, those dates were mainly in in July into early August, uh, with the the CPL um, effectively overlapping it. I mean that that in itself seems odd, Reds, to have the CPL going on while there's a, a West Indies test home test series. Yes, good point. And you know when the West Indies board recently put out um, the contract names in the press release. That was not included in the competitions to come. Mm. Uh, they went right through everything, you know, the CPL, they went right through um, the ODIs with South Africa, etc. It didn't say India tour to the West Indies. I think that um, that story really, really came out of a Trinidad newspaper. Um, maybe they have got the scoop, but the board has not followed up with a, a clear a clear statement and giving dates. I mean, we are told that Jamaica, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, St. Lucia, and one other uh, will get a test match, but, um, you know, that's what was written. Yeah, well, interestingly, somebody must have it wrong because, uh, as you say, there was one scoop that came out of uh, uh, Trinidad, I think it was from Vinod Mamchan, and uh, his, yep. his dates uh, conflicted with the dates that Andrew Mason said on his show in the week. So clearly it's still in the, in the preparatory stage. But on neither, interestingly, on neither list was there a Barbados test match. No, 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 and uh, I would think that if India is coming to the West Indies and you're looking for very good gates, uh, Trinidad and Guyana will have to be considered. Yes. Um, So we we just have to wait and see, basically, whether that will happen. And David, we can certainly move on to other things. Yeah, yeah. well, that's that's looking forward. We'll know more, perhaps, uh, uh, this time next week when we chat again. Take a moment to look back, though. Uh, since I last spoke to you, we have had the, uh, uh, the the tour of Australia. What? What? It was a dreadful disappointment again, Reds. But was was would it have been unre- unrealistic to think of anything other than disappointment coming out of that tour? Well, I think most West Indians considered in their minds before a ball was bowled that we would be beaten. Hmm. Um, but I think a lot of West Indians were hoping at least we would have competed. And we just hardly uh, did that. Um, you, you look at the, the opener, Braffitt, um, Bravo, Carlos Braffitt, um, you know, not, uh, you know, the, the captain uh, did, in fact, uh, you know, lead from the front. He batted quite well. He bore some very good spells without maybe taking a wicket. But you can't think of much more Ramden towards the end, maybe just holding on to his, his, his test play. Yeah. But I think basically after the four, poor tour of, of um, Sri Lanka, one expected a, a few changes and uh, how Samuels and Roach continued to play <laughs> in Australia uh, was baffling because you set Miguel Cummins up there and one would have thought that the rain hit Sydney Test. At least he would have gotten a game. Um, you know, uh, that, that didn't happen. Samuels was not dropped. Uh, Dowridge, I think, hardly played any cricket at all, um, and 
you know, it, it was disappointing from, from that, that point of view. And in many cases, you know, we aided and or betted, um, we aided and abetted our, our dismissals, you know. I mean, yeah. some, some was not really pressure, some was just uh, very, very poor shots selection and um you know we 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 just didn't look um a real test side no and and it was perhaps disappointing i think it was as we expected reds it was interesting to read a lot of the australian uh press coverage i don't think they'd really realized until they saw west indies on their turf at close quarters where west indies cricket is at the moment um it was nearly a year ago that uh West Indies cricket was described, their test team was described as mediocre. Um, I, I think a lot of people were upset by that comment, but it was actually perhaps slightly more than fair. They, they did well against, uh, or relatively well against England, a home-drawn series, but West Indies have got to have a realistic outlook at the moment and realise that, as a test side, certainly, they are at the moment on a par with Bangladesh. Well, that's a little hard to take, but just to come <laughs> back, you know, we did look at not a bad side against England. And we had our chances against Australia in the West Indies, uh, but uh, there was no reflection of that. There was no reflection of that. Maybe on the opening day of the Test match, there were three for one twenty-one, and we didn't take advantage after lunch by being attacking enough. And maybe that was the one chance that was was in fact offered. But before we finish on the Australian tour, I certainly felt that um, it was great to see Bravo. Yes. Playing, you know, really, really, really at, at a class level. Uh, glad to see him finally producing the kind of cricket that we all thought he was capable of, and here's hoping that he will go on to, to, to greater things. Yeah, there was there was one side issue that that came out of the the series and the coverage, uh, which I found again intriguing, disappointing, was the apparent media ban of uh, Fazir Mohammed. Yes, um, I think uh, that could have been avoided if there was a little bit of dialogue. Um, I mean, Fazir is a professional. I trust him a great deal. If he had gone to see a practice session of the West Indies prior to a test match that lasted um, 90 minutes, um, I think he was uh, very factual in reporting that. Um, I think basically if the West Indies management had a a problem with that, maybe Sir Richard Richardson could have contacted Faz and said, hi, um, you know, we got this feedback uh, from the Caribbean, which is always now a a real possibility in my um, days, along with Tony Cozio, you know, not very uh, much of the social media existed Mm. then other than maybe the odd telephone call, which will take a long time. Uh, to to be booked and actually placed, uh, and um, you know, one could say between Richardson and Fazir that they could have talked about it. Richardson could have explained, Fazir could have explained his side, and um, then when it was eventually clear that um, he, the ban was over, of course there was a release saying there is no ban on Fazir. Hmm. Um, one got the impression that the, the the player or players were very short with Faz, and although he might have asked a number of questions, the reply was no longer than five or six seconds. So, yeah. um, you know, will that continue in the Caribbean? Will will players be you know um, not too keen on talking 
to the local media, um, even if it's been given a clearance by the West Indies media managers, Woody Richards, um, Philip Spooner, the board, will the players now really open up to um, West Indies journalists um, if they're interviewed? Yeah, well, and this comes back to something that was well publicised uh, in the last uh, couple of years. Yourself, Tony Cozier, Michael Holding, amongst others, uh, with this official, unofficial uh, uh, ban imposed upon you by the West Indies Cricket Board, uh, ostensibly for not for not talking positively enough about West Indies cricket. But it must be difficult, Reds, for somebody like Fazir to say positive things when there's so little to be positive about. Well, I think um, one one is sure within themselves that they're being honest. And uh, I can only speak for myself. When there's something good about West Indies cricket, when the board has done something very good, like the uh, four-day competition, the professionalizing of, of that, yeah. Um, yeah. I certainly will give them every credence. Mm. Um, when things are not transparent and, and not fully explained, um, uh, for example, um, you know the the um, whole c- c- communication and public relations can be improved, mm. and that will in fact um, bring less criticism of the board. But that, that's something we hope in, in 2016. Um, but um, it's hard to be very positive overall, as you're saying, mm. in a situation where we have not been doing well. And sometimes the success of the team um, is the image of the board. You yeah. know, and if, if we were winning, uh, maybe the pressure would, 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 would not have been on. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to the old days, there were some issues, Derek Murray will say, there were some issues between the West Indies board uh, when he was secretary of the Players Association and that Clive Lloyd team. But it never re- reflected itself on the field of play. Uh, they had issues, payments, etc., conditions, uh, but they kept winning. And uh, that, um, you know, uh, did give the, the board a, a major plus in the eyes of the Caribbean people and the eyes of the cricket and world. Yeah. Well, there's a new head of the media section of the West Indies Cricket Board, uh, Carol Beckford. Uh, it'll be a challenge for her to uh, to manage the positive image of... Uh, West Indies cricket going forward. Well, one positive thing that I enjoyed, Reds, I'm sure you did too, uh, was the uh, the Richie Benno medal that was uh, brought in for the Player of the Series. Yes, yes, I, I think um, think that uh, the contribution that Richie Benno and then Frank Worrell made to world cricket maybe has not really um, been honoured. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, in 19... 61, that series really changed Test cricket, which was almost dying. And why 200,000 Victorians turned out in Melbourne to say goodbye? <laughs> uh, that that in, in itself answers your question. Yes, uh, it was a very nice thing for the Benno Medal. And it's amazing how, um, you know, especially in Sydney, um, you have. So many people dressing up, um, looking or trying to look like the late Richie. And maybe <laughs> there is a, a lesson here for us to be learned, um, to remember the, the, the great um, contribution that the likes of Roy Lawrence made 
and the, the great contribution that Tony Kozia yes. um, has made, is making. Um, you know, we, we, we must... I think Dave Martins, the Guyanese um, singer of the trade winds, asked the question, where are our heroes? And, you know, mm. I, I think uh, that we need uh, to look at our heroes, not only people who are batting and bowling, but people who have made a, a, a contribution. And like Stephen Kamashwa, our first CEO, mm. he ran that for 18 years, and many of those 18 years was out of Alan's Ray office, which was a legal office, just using his secretary, you know, with, with no Twitter and no emails and no smartphones. Um, you know, there, there's a lot more to, 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 to honor in our cricket um, world other than maybe just our great players. Yeah. No, I was I was particularly uh, pleased that the, the, the medal was instituted and Benno's uh, name was, was, was put to the, uh, the, the series, having personally made the suggestion... Uh, directly to to Michael Muirhead uh, back, I think it was August September of of last year, and uh, I even in that original suggestion uh, said that um, Alan Davidson and or uh, Daphne Benno should be I- involved, and I was delighted to see both of them up there on the podium at the presentation. Yes, yeah, that was very good to see, um, and there was a very close friend of the Benno's, Michelle um, Kennedy. Uh, green from Trinidad Tobago originally. Uh, she now lives in Sydney, and she was remembered uh, by the Benno family, and she was specially invited. Mm. Uh, from uh, good news uh, to the bad, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be appropriate, Reds, if we didn't make mention of the Chris Gale affair. Um, I've not spoken to you personally about it. There's been an enormous amount said and a lot, a lot of reaction. Uh, but I would myself, and I'm sure our listeners too, uh, would be interested in your own take on 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 the issues involved. Well, there's so much said already. Um, it's becoming, you know, a story which goes on too long. Hmm. Um, but uh, I think it was an error uh, by Chris Gale. Um, you know, there were signs that that this might happen. And maybe the authorities should have maybe warned Chris about what you say in this alleged... I wasn't there. I can only say it's an, an alleged um, happening between himself and a female uh, reporter, um, I think, in Jamaica. And that um, was not handled by the authorities. And maybe if that was handled by the authorities. Mm. But, um, David, there, there are some people who feel that... Uh, as Chris says, he was only making a joke um, that it's um, been blown out of proportion. Uh, there have been some negative calls about the chapel um, demanding an international yeah. ban. This is Ian Chapel. Um, he has received some support, but I think the overwhelming position is uh, that um, you know um, he, he was wrong in, in 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 saying what he did. Um, on national television. Yeah. No, I think there's a, a at the very least a general acceptance that uh, he was uh, somewhat out of step with uh, uh, prevailing attitudes and hopefully it will to effect blow over or we people can get past this and hopefully he can carry on being a cricketer and but he and other cricketers learn what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, 
I, I think it's, it, it, it has brought a whole discussion, and I think everyone is a lot wiser what they need to do prior to the start of an event in, in terms of how you may handle uh, the media. Yeah, yeah. Well, the event that has started, Reds, uh, in the last two, three days is uh, the Nashco Super 50. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago have made the early running. Uh, what have you made of the game so far? Well, it's been low scoring. Um, the one being played in St. Kitts has been badly hit by the weather. Um, and the Duck Lord Lewis has already been very active. Guyana losing by one run. Uh, one game washed out totally. Um, that uh, is going to be a very interesting situation because uh, the game between the, the Windwards yesterday um, and the CCC was also un unfinished. Um, so it's going to come down to some very close uh, situation regarding the points. Guyana has got a must-win game. You can say that to the CCC they've got a must-win game mm. when both teams play on Monday. Um, now, the games at um, the Warner Park doesn't seem to be that affected. It is the games being played at some of the smaller venues um, in St. Kitts that probably don't have all the drainage and all the covers and all the super softers, etc., which is something that the West Indies board we need to look at. Um, they are being affected. Uh, the group in Trinidad, that seems to be fairly clear now. I mean, very, very impressive victory by Trinidad yesterday. I mean, you beat someone by nine wickets. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's a major victory. And it's going to be a battle between um, the Scorpions and the Pride. Now, who will get into the semi-final? Hmm. So it's fairly um, wide open in the, uh, St. Kitts because we don't know how the weather will intervene. A couple of key matches and um, we have to see how this Pride and Scorpion matches go. But uh, the 9 o'clock start, which has been questioned yesterday between um, the, the two teams there, Trinidad and the Pride, hmm. uh, the reason why it was started at 9 o'clock, it wasn't originally to start at 9, but the Queen's Park Club many, many months ago, as far as I'm told, had in fact rented um, parts of their uh, club to um, an organization which was having a bit of a fete. There would have <laughs> been music, there would have been noise, and therefore the game could not have been played at 1 o'clock, which might have attracted a, a much bigger crowd on a Saturday afternoon. Mm. Uh, I did wonder why it was a 9 o'clock start. In fact, I was very surprised to turn on the television <laughs> and see the game about to start. And the ball certainly swung around, and Richards, um, who's been virtually the, 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 the flavor of the week, um, he got the ball to really see around. And, um, you know, that was, in fact, well, one of the reasons why the game started at nine. And that has not been explained, but I did wonder, and I did ask the question. But TNT is going to be um, certainly into the semi-final, and that's good from the TNT point of view and the West Indies board point of view. Yeah. Because they're going to bring large crowds. But people must, hopefully in the future, will come out to watch the tournament irrespective whether the home team is playing or not, which is, happens in, in other countries. Yeah. Uh, I think we haven't gotten to that stage yet where we are coming to watch the Nadjuka 50, that the prices are attractive enough, the entertainment has been attractive enough, they're being played at the right time, and all the players are in fact playing uh, that's all 
for the future, David. Yeah, I, I, I confess, though, Reds, I'm disappointed with uh, the presentation, as you as you say. Not not being quite sure what game time games are starting. Uh, there was the press release put out about the. Uh, uh, radio coverage, uh, the radio commentary uh, team, which I'm disappointed you're not a member of Reds, and I'm, I know you are too. But it's been almost impossible for people outside the Caribbean, like myself, who have a great interest in trying to uh, follow these matches, to find where on earth they're on. I know equally the, the same applies to uh, ESPN, Kriya Kenfo's uh, uh, American correspondent, Peter De La Pena. Both of us have been trying to um, go through our internet dials to try all the stations in the Caribbean to find where the the games are being commented and coverage is being provided, and we just can't find it. Well, I did suggest one station to you. Uh, did you have? I mean, I listened to that station yesterday afternoon with the um, the Guyana game against the Leewards, the yeah. Jaguars um, against the the. Um, hurricanes. Uh, did you have any any success in that? Success success with that. Uh, not on the, uh, uh, the the first couple of days of the tournament. Well, maybe you should go to Woody Richards and see what you can um, find out about how someone like you will <laughs> um, in Pakistan and yeah. people elsewhere may be able. Uh, to find the commentary. Have you gone to the West Indies website? Yes, oh yes. Uh, it's, as ever, in the Caribbean, a little bit hit and miss to try and uh, follow what's going on, Reds. But, hey, I think we're both used to that by now. Um, Quick one, Ca- CaribbeanCricket.com um, does, in fact, carry uh, scores. That's right. Uh, it's not difficult to find the scores. It's not been so easy to, to, to watch or listen to the action. Uh, and um, I know it's not just me but that, that's keen to do so. I think that's all we've got time for for, for, the, for this time, Reds. Um, and, but we'll be able to pick up again on where the tournament's got to uh, seven days from now. Um, I'd like to thank you, Reds, uh, for joining me. And I know that you'd like to thank our regional radio listeners. Yes, certainly. I'd like to thank all in the Caribbean. We, we have listeners in Grenada. We have listeners in Lucia. Uh, I think we have listeners in just about every island in the Caribbean. And, um, you know, we have listeners in North America. And uh, I think further afield, and certainly we'd like to uh, thank you for listening. And please, in fact, pass the podcast on to those cricket fans who didn't pick up the fact that uh, we are back again. And, uh, again, we want to wish everyone a belated um, Happy New Year. And... Here's hoping that we'll have a, a great final and the Queen's Park Oval will be filled and David will be able to hear the commentary ball by ball <laughs> in Pakistan. <laughs> well, thank you for those sentiments, Reds. And uh, yeah, I'll be uh, uh, following closely the development of the, uh, the rest of the tournament. This has been the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with Reds Pereira and me, David Oram. And I hope you can join both of us again next time. Goodbye. <laughs>